Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of In the Can, which is the Barn Burner Podcast Network podcast for all movies, all pop culture, all fun things going on in media. This is the Chief, and I'm here hosting with my good friend, Sweaty Freddy. Freddy, how you doing, buddy? I've been better after seeing that movie, but we'll get into that, I suppose. And uh, not so sweaty today. It's pretty cold in here. Pretty cold. So, so Sweaty ain't sweating. Freddy... You're not super sweaty right now, so your, your, your name might be a little inaccurate at this point. Uh, yeah, it's mostly inaccurate in the winter months. Okay. That's how it goes. Right. So in the summer, you're particularly sweaty. Oh, yeah. I stay sweating in the summer. That would make sense. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so Sweaty Freddy and I just watched a movie, and that's why we're bringing an, a podcast to you today to discuss that movie. Uh, we are, of course, talking the, the much maligned Netflix original Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, and, and for you sci-fi fans, you might be aware of the Cloverfield franchise. It is a kind of a giant monster franchise that sort of broadened its scope and become more of a character-driven series. Um, but Netflix recently, as, as most of you know, Netflix does his own original movies these days. And they're totally producing, totally financing and hiring writers and directors to produce content and release it direct to Netflix. Um, so it doesn't have a theatrical run. It doesn't go into theaters. It's released right on streaming for us all to watch and consume. Um, this has blessings and curses, but this movie went straight to Netflix and, uh, and we watched it. We decided we were going to spend an evening of our time watching this movie (laughs) and (laughs) whether or not that was worth it, uh, TBD, you'll find out. All right, here's the thing about the Cloverfield Paradox. Quick quick plot summary. Barnburner official in the can plot summary from the chief. Okay, here we go. Some people fly on a spaceship. There's some time travel shit. Nothing makes sense. Everyone argues. There's some a 3D gun imprinted, and then there's a giant monster at the end. Mm. Uh, Freddie, how do you feel about that? You feel like it's an accurate plot summary? Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Giant Monster being the same Giant Monster from the Cloverfield franchise. He's kind of the star of the show um, right. when it comes to their franchise. He's the only character that since, seems to transcend uh, the movies in the franchise. Has a lot of depth to him, really. The monster? <laughs> you know, <laughs> oddly, even though, even though he's made it to every single film, zero depth to this character. 
Yeah. Other than me- he's pissed, huge and pissed off. He's very mad. He's very mad. We don't know why he's mad. Like maybe his <laughs> wife divorced him. I mean, we don't know that. But miraculously, the least depth uh, of any character, which is crazy because uh, we're talking some of these characters less than an inch of water here on, on character depth. <laughs> yeah. Less than an inch of water. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so non, yes. Yeah, so, so non deep, these characters. All right. Yeah. So, so this movie is, is in, is in the trilogy of movies related to the Cloverfield franchise. And, um, we, we are right now, we're going to bring you the, the barn burner in the can podcast patented one sentence, no conjunction review. Freddie, what you got, buddy? Ooh, no conjunction. You threw for a loop there. That wasn't part of the deal. No conjunctions. Okay. Um, here it goes. Sci-fi movie that couldn't be loaded with more cliches. That's good. Yeah. That's true. As a follow-up, literally no more room for cliches in there. They, they, every possible opportunity, cliche. Yeah, boom, cliche. They should call it the cliche paradox. <laughs> that'd be a more accurate title I feel like yeah yeah movie. I, think, I, I think so what yeah why do they call it the Cloverfield Paradox Does I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> we'll, we'll, we might get into that all right Maybe. my one sentence review is a sci-fi movie that wishes it was Star Trek or Star Wars or anything that was not shitty huh yeah because it was I, I used an and in there but you know what that was a conjunction but whatever you know this is the yeah. end of the can podcast this, this, no, all, all bets are off here <laughs> making your rules and you're breaking your own rules That's yeah not exactly cool, man. exactly that's what we do here all right okay. so what did you all right what did you know about this movie or what did you expect from this movie before you watched it because you're semi-aware of it prior to watching it i'd heard of it you know the uh, original cloverfield movie uh was kind of a breath of fresh air when it comes to found footage movies a lot of those can go really wrong um and then 10 cloverfield lane was pretty good i thought it was uh pretty riveting as well kind of kept me on edge for a lot of it so i kind of trusted the franchise up to this point i was really excited upon uh viewing the trailer for this movie coming out but then i kind of heard a little bit about it not being great and uh so my first impression was trying to go in with an open mind but not expecting too much because of what i heard about it not being great but i did like i said i did trust the franchise so some part of me was excited and hopeful that it would be good I, I likewise felt the same way. I, the first Cloverfield came out in 2008. I remember I was in high school, and it was it was really good. It was uh, the introduction to the found footage franchise, and it was um, it mm-hmm. was it was uh, it was riveting stuff, man. Like they they did a good job with that. And what I liked about it was, and what I like about a lot of movies that do this kind of monster, what the fuck's happening shit, is mm-hmm. that they didn't over explain. You know, it was sort of yeah. like the monster existed. And we watched some people that we believed in. We watched some real life characters deal with something that could happen, and and that we felt like they dealt with in a way that we would too if that happened to us. Right. And, and, and that, that was what that was what made it riveting. That's what made me engaged into it. And it kind of kept the purity of found footage intact by not explaining stuff because that's not how it would go down if you were just filming, right? If you just had a random guy with the camcorder. So if it were over explained via found footage. That wouldn't really make sense anyway. Right. So, but a lot of found footage movies feel still feel the need to like, right. you know, they, you have exposition like, and plot in there. I think Paranormal Activity is a fine example of that. Right. Yeah. Classic example of found footage. Uh, luckily, no, no one, uh, no demons or ghosts in this movie necessarily. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah. But, but maybe actually just go watch, <laughs> go watch Paranormal Activity instead of this because it might be more <laughs> worth your time. Yeah. Uh, if Even you can't tell, we're kind of down on this movie. Yeah. All right, so so the movie was written 
by a dude named Oren Uziel. And so I've done a little research into the, the, the making of this movie. So this oh. dude, um, Uziel, the screenwriter, he wrote what's called a spec script. And a spec script, for those that are unfamiliar with the industry, is a script you write without uh, – you're not sure if it's going to get produced. It's kind of like doing like a – it's kind of like writing a song before knowing that it's going to be on an album. You like you write a script and you you put it out there and hope producers like it and, uh, okay. and they may or may not they may or may not like it. Uh, so this movie though he wrote a spec script. The, the spec script was called God Particle and it was totally unrelated to the entire Cloverfield franchise. Hmm. So then Paramount bought the script and they incorporated the, the Cloverfield shit into it. So the original intention of the movie was not to have anything to do with Cloverfield, which might explain why it feels very tacked on. So yeah. I didn't. Um, I didn't know any of that. Right. Yeah. So like, That's it was nice. originally written just as, as an independent sci-fi movie that had nothing to do with Cloverfield. They should have kept it that way. They should have. Uh, or it and had then, some real potential. Yeah. Like, and and so it didn't because it, all the the Cloverfield elements related to the monster in the first Cloverfield felt very shoehorned in there. That I'm gonna say really it right have, now, Oren, guy who wrote that, you're yeah. a sellout, buddy. Oren, come on, bro. Stop letting Paramount <laughs> control your destiny, dude. I don't know. Would you turn away Paramount? Hey, man, if I wrote like if I wrote like a little sci-fi flick and then Paramount <laughs> came in there and said like, "Hey, you got to put a giant monster at the fucking end," I'd, I'd be like, "All right, well, how much?" And then they'd say, "Next mound." I'd probably still do it, but you know what, Freddie? At this point, I would definitely think about it. I would overthink it, and I would at least like maybe maybe double think that moment. I mean, Oren's giving you something to think about for tonight. That's for yes, sure. for sure. At least tonight. So, <laughs> so Oren, so he wrote this thing. And the movie was directed by a guy named Julius Ona. Uh, and uh-huh. so this guy, this guy, you, you probably don't know this guy. This guy actually, he wrote uh, Star Trek Beyond, the third Star Trek and the J.J. Abrams Star Treks. Okay. Which was, you know, a really good one. Uh, and, and so, like, I guess he got plugged in with J.J. Abrams in writing that movie. And J.J. Uh, Abrams produced the Cloverfield Paradox. He's, like, heavily involved in the, par- in the Cloverfield movies. So I guess he probably gave uh, this dude his start in directing. So a lot of guys get this opportunity to write and direct that otherwise wouldn't, but maybe they shouldn't have because what we get is like a very disjointed, stupid ass sci-fi sci-fi movie that like, mm-hmm. honest uh, man, like dude, when I saw this movie advertised, uh, I, I wondered what they could add to like what they could add that would make this any better. Like I get what they were going for initially and it yeah. worked, it worked initially and they didn't need to do any more. Like they were doing too much. You know, mm-hmm. you're dribbling too much. Like you just, you, what you need to do is you need to like, you need to play fundamental and give me a nice little monster story that I can enjoy. And then give me a nice little John Goodman in the bunker, weird character movie, very in-depth character drama, which is mm-hmm. 10 Cloverfield Lane. And then maybe hang up the hat, man. Don't go for yeah. the hat trick. But don't try to give me some, some, some uh, super sci-fi shit. Especially something that wasn't written specifically tailored to that. Right. And you could tell, right? You could it comes across now. Me telling you that you can you can feel it now. There was no reason for that to be associated with the Cloverfield franchise. None at all. Right. The well, storyline of of planet Earth running out of resources, perfectly plausible on its own. The necessity for this infinite energy engine, uh, which was the whole goal of the space station that they ended up on. That all works without the inclusion of the monster and the destruction of like every, nothing about nothing about that benefited from being part of the Cloverfield franchise, right. and everything about it severely detracted from the current Cloverfield tra- franchise. 
is this a situation where you got a studio trying to like force their will and and add a title, aka Cloverfield, to a movie that otherwise would not be watched by a lot of people? You know, I can't I can't cite another example of this happening where it, where a, a movie was added to a franchise that had nothing to do with the franchise. Seems totally unnecessary. Yeah, I think they added the word Cloverfield to the title in order to make people watch it. And a monster at the end. And a monster at the end. I mean, it's literally the most shoehorn. It's a definition of shoehorning. Because let's let's just say this. uh, Without the monster at the end and the destruction in the city, you know, that all still makes sense because the threat of war was all there. So, like, until the monster at the end, there was still no reason for it to be connected to the Cloverfield franchise. (laughs) No reason at all. There's no reason for (laughs) this. All right, all right. Everyone, we're Sweaty Freddy and I are down on this movie. And the reason is because it doesn't need to exist. And the reason it doesn't need to exist because it hits perhaps every single movie stereotype in the history of movie tropes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you name it, it hits it. And we'll sort of get into that. But okay, what, <laughs> what, who, who gets, who do you feel like gets the most buckets in this movie? Give me one actor or actress that you feel like just hits all the high points and was a sort of a shining star in a movie that otherwise might be some poop. It's mm, an interesting question. Didn't really give anybody the time to shine, did they? No. Also, don't know the names of anyone in this movie because it's a bunch of no names. <laughs> oh, it's got the dude from Bridesmaids in it. The the romantic guy yeah. from Bridesmaids that uh, dates honestly, uh, Kristen Wiig's character. He's in here. Yeah, honestly, I think he, he was the best, as, as that sounds to say. No, probably so. <laughs> the com- He was the comic relief, uh, or at least rather a poor attempt at comic relief. <laughs> yeah. Attempted comic relief guy. Yeah, um, and and he's uh, he's shown to have some good comedic timing in a, in other films, so I'm not even putting that on him. I think that was the writing. <laughs> yeah, poorly written movie. A lot yeah. of a lot, a lot of weird jokes and a, and a lot of forced humor. But yeah, I'd have to agree. He was the most natural guy. So like this movie is, and and if anyone watches it, they will immediately. At least I was. I was immediately transported back to when I watched Aliens for the first time or Alien. Or the alien franchise, where like mm-hmm. you're you're put in the situation where you're on a spaceship with a bunch of like regular Joes, and and they're just regular people that you can identify with in daily life at your nine to five job, and they each mm-hmm. have their own little stereotype. You got like the <laughs> you got the mechanic guy, you know, yeah. you got the uh, you got the the ca- the ship captain who takes himself a little too seriously. You've got perhaps the you you've got the 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 kind of like blue collar worker, like the mechanic type dude. And mm-hmm. I mean, all these different stereotypes you find in life are on the ship and they each serve a purpose, um, both narratively in the plot and also like for the audience, the audience, each audience person needs to identify with the character. Here's the problem I have with this movie. They tried to do that. They tried to give me the plot of Alien and the characters, but there mm-hmm. was not a single fucking person that I could identify with, except for the guy from Bridesmaids, maybe. But then I couldn't yeah. get out of I couldn't get out of my head that that was the guy from Bridesmaids. And also he had kind of a weird he had a British accent. And like he was, yeah. tr- he was like trying to do stand up on the spaceship despite the dire consequences of everything, and I just couldn't like couldn't identify with him. So like who, who Freddie am I supposed to get behind in this movie? I would argue that you had trouble identifying with a specific character because no character at all got any depth of it or you know any decent crack at an explanation of their so background. You, so you feel like it was a it was a character depth problem. We didn't get to know any of them well enough. I'm saying you you never got a chance to know whether or not you could identify with them because you didn't get to know a single character. Me, me is in 
me personally or just a regular audience member as well? well? I'm not accusing you of being a bad movie watcher. I think that'd be kind of foolish <laughs> just yeah. knowing what I know of you. I'm, I'm saying the movie did not do a good job at you know demonstrating their characters' personalities or, you know, it, it didn't make it easy for you to understand what a character was about because no single character got enough time to explain themselves. And it's the problem with an ensemble plot too. Like yeah. when you have, when you have, you know, when, when the audience is immediately launched onto a spaceship and we have to get to know seven to eight characters that are like all wildly different and their motives mm-hmm. are different and their histories are different. And to, to sneak all that into dialogue without have you know, without, you know, novel, when you read a novel, you're able to read like about individual characters in multiple paragraphs. But in a movie, you have to get it across by their actions and dialogue. Hey, and these are, you know, the, it's, it's you know, hard. <laughs> you know what would have given us time to just explore the characters better? If we had cut out the whole subplot of the boyfriend on planet Earth for no reason. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> first of all, you should have cut that out the, the second that anyone even thought of it. So there's this whole subplot in this movie about like this. Like one of the main characters on the spaceship, it has a boyfriend on planet earth and the boyfriend ends up like in the midst of this city catastrophe, which we can assume is the Cloverfield monster from the first movie. And he drives around aimlessly because he's like a, a badass, but yet he's never demonstrated anything badass. Yeah. And he ends up like rescuing a young, a young woman, like a little girl and then yeah. saves her. And then they have like kind of a whole thing, a subplot and, let me tell you, uh, it, that's it, generous. Yeah. Okay. A subplot would be a generous term for this because it has no like actual bearing on the overarching plot other than the fact that, you know, this dude dates one of the other chicks on the spaceship and they force feed you this sort of romantic relationship. They're like, they have these Skype sessions and you're like, Oh, I get it. They're dating. They love yeah. each other. I get it. But like really beyond that, they have no, there's no emotional weight added to the plot. There's no point in this plot line. Why Freddie? Why'd they put it in there? I don't know. Maybe they're trying to appeal to appeal to the hopeless romantics. Like uh, he really loves her, so he doesn't want her to leave. Um, but he knows she's got to go because she could potentially save the planet. Maybe they're just trying to add one more layer of appeal to that. And the reason I think he they had him run around the city doing this or that is because he's like a doctor of some kind, and they thought he could, or maybe they thought he was going to help. I don't know what the deal was with that. It all seemed pointless. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah, no, there was no point. There was no ultimate result with any of that. And I think they should have spent less time on that plot line and more time on letting us get to know who the the fuck all these other characters are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we're immediately launched into all these characters that have existing relationships, which makes sense. I get it. You know, we as the audience are immediately thrust into a plot and all these people Mm -hmm. know each other. Like that's that's par for the course. That's just movies. But you need to let us know who they all are. Before they start fighting, you got to let us know who they are before the drama starts. And the Give second us a reason we're lo- to care about something, right? The second we're launched onto the ship, they immediately start fighting. There's immediate drama, and we're trying to figure out. Wait a minute, before I have to like care about this drama, at least, at least let me know who the fuck these people are. Uh-huh. And and they just didn't. I mean, that's just bad screenwriting, bad directing, all that. Like just bad movie making. Uh, and that that's really just the, the mo of this movie is that. It, like it, it come across as like how I would immediately describe it is that it was a sci-fi like you wake up on Saturday morning and you eat your honey nut Cheerios, which is what I ate this morning. So why I said that. And, and you, you know, you turn on your TV and you got cable and you go to the sci-fi channel and it's a movie that would be on at like 10 a.m. And then like you turn it on, there's a ton of commercials about like like body lotion and shit. And you watch <laughs> that 
you know, like every other commercial, some commercial about like male testosterone and, you know, and then you watch this shitty sci-fi movie, but you're sort of engrossed because you happen to catch it on a Saturday morning. And that's like the extent to which this movie should be. But instead it's, it's immediately thrust into a franchise that we like that, that a lot of people care about. And they, and so I think they're just fucking trying to cash in on that name, which is crazy. I don't, you know, the fact that it released only on Netflix baffles me even more because the connection to the franchise could have gotten a decent box office showing just because uh, of the connection there. But since they released on Netflix, there's, it's a stain on the franchise with no added benefit. They're not making, they're not going to make any extra money off of it. Here's my, here's hot take, burning hot take coming in here. Here's Ooh, my you're take. Gonna make Sweaty Freddy all sweaty again. The yep. hot take. Yep. Sweaty, sweaty Friday is going to be sweating again. Netflix originals are akin to what we used to know as direct to DVD movies. <laughs> Do you remember when you, you remember when okay. you, you go to Walmart, you had that mm-hmm. big bargain bin of oh, I know. shitty DVDs. It still exists. It still exists. That Netflix has taken over. Granted, they were a little more better produced. They, they had maybe a little higher budget, but in terms of actual quality, it just feels that way. It, it feels okay. that way. If you're unwilling to release a movie in actual theaters and let it have a theatrical run and see if it's going to make money or what, like it feels that way. It feels like you're just sort of mailing it in. Mm-hmm. I agree when it comes to films, movies, shows. They're, they're doing some unprecedented things, and I enjoy uh, some of the Netflix original shows. But when it comes to movies, I'm inclined to agree with you. Just it's a lot like the new version of straight to DVD. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think it is. I think it's the new version of straight DVD. I would agree with the show distinction. Uh, some of the Netflix original shows are well produced and definitely more well suited to the Netflix platform, which is you know imme- immediate. All the shows get released like the whole season gets released and people can binge watch, and it just mm-hmm. fits better. Like TV shows, even though it's technically not TV, but yeah, like. You know, episodic shows fit better for the Netflix uh, platform, but these movies just feel weird. Like it's just like it almost like I go into them, and this might be just my bias about the box office and just theater in general. But I just go into them not expecting anything. Like I, it feels like I'm watching a direct to, a direct to DVD movie. It feels like right. I, you know, my buddies and I were out in like a you know in 2003 at Walmart and we bought some <laughs> shitty kung fu movie. And in the Walmart bargain bin for three dollars on DVD, and we went home expecting to laugh at it. Like it feels that way. It feels cheap, but, and it feels un, you know, not prestigious at all. I guess, or not like no talent involved. Right. But isn't it nice when you're surprised by one of those, be it the the direct TV DVD or the direct to Netflix? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, that, that is nice. It, it, and I, that's exactly what I'd be though. I'd be surprised. I right. wouldn't be like expecting it by any means it would be a, a complete pleasant surprise all right so who who's six man of this movie who's the guy that makes the most guy or gal who makes the most of their limited screen time in this movie uh the crazy russian guy yeah i don't even know his name but like he shows up and he comes in like a fucking freight train in the first frame yeah. he's already like starting shit up, up he's ready to first. go he really is and and he ends up being kind of the you know Spoiler, obviously we're talking spoilers, you know, movie podcast going to happen. Uh, he ends up becoming kind of the weird immediate villain that, imme- that that dies in the first, like, third of the movie. He's like the androids in the alien movies. Like, the guy that immediately kind of, like, 
sees what's coming that's, that's about to happen and then and then butts heads with the crew and they end up having like a fight with him and then that character dies and then the movie moves forward and you develop plot from there but yeah i agree like he very limited screen time very believable character i kind of wanted to know more about him you know what yeah. made him tick he wasn't on very long but he left an impression he did um, gone but not forgot pour one out for a russian guy don't know his yeah. name don't know his character's name but pour one out for that guy he's kind of unhinged he's ready to freaking go to go to battle over some war that he's not even he hasn't been on earth since it started basically there are rising tensions between russia and germany shocker <laughs> and there's a german guy on the space station and he's ready to blame the german guy for everything that's going wrong just because he knows russia and germany are about to go to war is that a realistic like if, if you're a, if you're two dudes and you mm-hmm. launch off into space and then while you're in space your two, your individual countries begin a, a war, and but you have no actual stake in it beyond the fact that you're that nationality. Is that a realistic drama to happen? You know, as a logical man, uh, that's not that's not a direction I would go. But I've seen enough stupid in this world where I know that that could absolutely happen. So you think that the sort of the cultural and, and nationality identification would come into play there? Yeah, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. People people still don't understand what Colin Kaepernick means when he's taking a knee. They still think he's protesting the country. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, absolutely that could happen. Yeah. Patriotism <laughs> can, can just make you do crazy things. Patriotism is a, a you know, dangerous word when you start you know, talking about that because it engrosses right. so many things. Listen, I support my country, but it doesn't blind me. Right. So, uh, I, uh, I, yeah, it's got to be the Russian guy, six man of the movie. Like, he was kind of riveting the whole time he was on screen. And I cared what he was going to do, unlike, yeah. uh, you know, unlike everyone else, honestly, because everyone else in the movie, I did not care. All right. Uh, so the, like, the short plot definition is that there's like a there's these people on the spaceship and they're trying to figure out how to create like consistent energy, like kind of like nuclear fission to create a consistent energy source. And so they keep like doing these experiments and they launch another experiment at some point at the beginning of the movie. And they can only do so many because they have so much energy and th- it, they jolt like something happens and then they figure out they're like not by where they were. Suddenly they're transported to another part of the galaxy and slowly but surely through the plot, it, it is fucking just like ham fisted and just like super not well done, doled out plot elements. We figure out that the, there's two simultaneous dimensions like mixed together. And so like, all the plot developments and all the different, like, oh, twists, oh, oh, the in my Shyamalan, like, oh, he was a ghost the whole time. Like, all that stuff is doled out to us ham-fistedly and without any finesse at all, based purely on this idea that they're two parallel dimensions. Uh, what did you, how did you feel about the parallel dimension plot? I thought it was an interesting idea. That's not something I've ever seen before. You know, I've seen the idea of, people traveling between dimensions, but I've never seen the idea of two dimensions merging and, and then matter being displaced because of that. But I gotta be honest, like the whole time that was playing out, I was thinking, damn, I wish Neil deGrasse Tyson was here so he could just roast this shit. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson would be, have been a great script consultant on this movie. There would be, there's no better person to have viewed that movie with. Cause he would have just toured a new one. Yeah. Um, the way, so when the two universes merged, that it was affected in such minor and random ways. It didn't make sense at all. So there, there were a few things that were displaced, like a chick ended up in the wiring 
and none of them knew her, but she seemed to know everyone else. Then the the gyroscope ended up in someone's body, and he didn't notice. That's something that large you would definitely notice if it was in your body. Yeah, shit. I forgot about that. That yeah, thing was and, like and then he just vomited worms everywhere, which is that's not how it works. <laughs> the human body. It just there was no rhyme or reason to anything that was happening. Like, no, it was they, true. They it was shot value. universes and then it was stabilized, right? And then all the wacky stuff started happening. You'd think all that stuff would happen like immediately, but it just things kept happening post the merge, and none of that makes sense when you think about it. I want you to know that if I ever merge universes and worms are immediately transported to my stomach as also a like cube, a giant cube is implanted into my lower intestine, I will immediately yeah. let you know something's wrong. Yeah, you're going to feel I, that shit. I won't wait for like a strategic plot development moment to let you know. I'll let you know, bro. Right then. Yeah. yeah. And you're not going to vomit those worms everywhere. You're probably just going to digest them if they're in your stomach. Right. And if they're not in your stomach, you're not going to vomit them up because it's not connected to your esophagus. And how would those worms? How would those worms spread across an entire aquarium? End up like I realize the idea is that he like existed in that plane of space, but how could they all have like been inside him? Right? Like surely there would have been like yeah. ten to fifteen of them left. They just happened to not be exactly where he was. And the gyroscope, which is in a completely different area of the ship, also ended up in him. So randomized. I don't. I just it was it was sense. purely plot device shit. Like yeah, they, it just threw me off. It, I hate when like they try to when filmmakers try to give us some crazy ass like time travel paradox shit, and then just to conveniently explain the bullshit of their plot. Like that did none of this made sense. And at any point did this movie did I realize like what was going on? Like and I we we paid we've been drinking a lot. Okay, we're a little drunk when we're doing this pot, but like we we paid fairly <laughs> diligent attention to the plot. And like I watched, I watched this movie. I've watched movies way less than this movie, and understood it well, like way more than I understood this movie. Like it, it, they would just dish shit at you left and right, and expect you to be totally filled in on it. But really, you were trying to figure out who these characters were. Like that's what, that's yeah. what honestly, I cu- I couldn't realize like the different sci-fi elements of the plot. So I was still trying to figure out each one's motivations. Like I didn't know anyone's motivation, and no because one had of that, one. right? And, and that's the basis of character. Like we're only human beings because we want things. Like so, you got to tell me what these guys want before I can like buy in. Like I didn't know what any of them wanted besides survival. What, yeah, besides yeah, besides the nuclear fission initially, whatever to create an energy source, and Which, then once shit hit the fan, yeah. survival. And like, but there was no individualized elements at all, components whatsoever. So, they threw in a little something for the main character. She had some children, I guess that she. What was that? Was that a different a different time? A, a, no, an so from her dimension, from her timeline, uh, you know, because of the power crisis, she had bought this like energy pack, and I guess it was some sort of bootleg power source for a home to kind of appease these kids, these two 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 boys she had. But because it was shady, and she knew it was shady, it ended up blowing up or having some sort of malfunction and cause the house to burn down with the kids in it. So that's been haunting her. She's felt responsible for that for her whole life. When she merged universes, all of a sudden she realizes by talking to the mystery crew member that merged onto the ship that in this universe, those two boys are alive and that hasn't happened yet. But here's the kicker. 
she isn't dead in this universe either, even though everyone else from the crew is dead in that universe. So she's thinking, I'd love to go down there and be with those boys, but also I would be in my own way because I also exist in this universe. So she ultimately settles for sending herself a message. Hey, get rid of that piece of shit energy pack because it's going to ruin your life. Yeah. So she was really tempted to go crash the party, but <laughs> ultimately she all, all it ever led up to was her sending a message to herself saying, hey, I made a mistake. I would watch uh, the movie. Don't uh, make that mistake. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, so, so it had this great climax to end up nowhere or, or, you know, practically nowhere. That's a classic time travel problem, you know, is that you, to write a time travel movie, you, you know, and you have like two of the same people. That's, a, that's what the definition of paradox is that like mm. you see yourself in the current time and all that shit. If we talk about time travel movies and we're going to spend a whole nother podcast, but like, yeah, this was less time travel and more like two universes. So I don't know. I mean, it was two alternative timelines, you know? Like, yeah. Like, but I don't know the time in travel scenario movie. that that would have made everything blow up if she had saw herself. No, they didn't make they didn't make the stakes that. So really, yeah. she could have like gone down there. They didn't make it like, yeah. oh, if you do that, then like, oh shit, everything's gonna go awry and blah 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 blah. <laughs> they didn't do that, but like they, you know, the, for some reason she didn't want to go down there, like. Here's the thing. If I'm main character A down on Earth with my kids and then main character B on the spaceship, which is our main main character, sends me a message. If, if I get a message from myself from a different universe, that's going to be really that's going to really fuck me up, dude. Like, yeah, I, I, th- I think like that. Uh, I think that almost hurts the you know herself in that time, because then she's like kind of crazy woman. Maybe she like totally goes to the <laughs> asylum and leaves her kids uncared for. And then they end up burning themselves to death anyway. You know, you got to think about that. Very selfish of her to do that. Listen, if I get messages from myself from another universe, I'm not ruling out that Jim Halpert is messing with me. You can't do that. You can't rule that out. Also, uh, if if someone messages me from another universe and tells me to watch the Cloverfield Paradox again, I'll not do that. I will not do it. Even if I somehow get. Not worth uh, it. No, not worth it. Even if someone (laughs) says you got to save the world by watching this shitty movie again, I will say. No. Some men dimension. just want to watch the world burn. Some men do. Yeah. Particularly the Joker. All right. So if you here, here's an important question. Very important question here. Mm-hmm. If you could replace one actor or actress with Nicolas Cage in this movie, who would you do it and why? I would replace the chick that the, the Asian chick who only spoke Mandarin, but understood English perfectly. I would love to see Nicolas Cage just only speak Mandarin and refuse to participate in English while everyone else on the ship does, even though he understood it. Here's so a little background for this character. Yes, agree. Great, great choice. Uh, (laughs) There's this crew of ragtag people, you know, and they all have different personalities. All right. So we got this chick. She's Asian. She only speaks Mandarin Chinese and everyone understands her. AKA they all speak Mandarin Chinese. But they all speak English to each other. So, like, she's the old, she's odd man out, you know? Like, I feel like if I'm on that ship, I'm kind of learning English. Like, you know? Like, you got to learn English mm-hmm. at that point. And it's proven that she understands English, but she made no attempt to speak it. Yeah, a little lazy on her part, honestly. Very lazy character. What if they had, like, a movie night on the ship and they watched, like, E.T.? They watched it in English, you know? <laughs> and then she just odd, you know? Well, I guess she can understand it. Right. But she just wouldn't speak it. She would speak yeah. E.T. phone home in Mandarin, but she wouldn't, you know, she'd be able to hear it. Okay. 
Yeah, great pick. Great pick. My pick is the monster at the end. I think that uh, <laughs> if you'd had a giant Nick Cage head launch out of the clouds and roar, I think that would be awesome. I think I didn't that see would that one create coming. a whole new level of like malevolence there. Yeah. Oh, man. That's yeah. Terrifying. Otherwise, perfectly cast, right? Perfectly cast. We had all the stereotypes in play. Like everyone that was cast had to have been had to have read the script and thought like, oh, well, like kind of offended that you cast me as this, honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but but definitely, uh, you know, uh, we're obviously not recommending this movie, but like, you know, maybe if like you're on a Tinder date or something and like you need to turn something on. Oh, yeah. Perhaps, you know, perhaps this might be the thing you might turn on. Ten out of ten Tinder fodder. Cause ten you, out of ten you, Tinder fodder. You heard it you here first. You don't want to. Uh, you don't want to watch a movie. Put a movie on that's interesting because that just no. is distracting from what your what your goal is. Yeah, it was your goal. Yeah, Tinder <laughs> or and or Bumble fodder. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And you don't want to. You don't want to play a movie and spoil it for yourself that might actually be interesting. So I think ten out of ten Tinder fodder. That might be the whole purpose. I think. I think Freddie, we might have uncovered a whole other layer here. That might be the whole purpose of Netflix original movies. You think JJ was trying to be a wingman? I think I think Netflix and chill has taken on a whole nother meaning. <laughs> I think these movies are entirely released for purposes of bang fodder. Yeah. Yeah. JJ is the ultimate wingman. Yeah, JJ. Uh, shouts to JJ Abrams who produced this yeah. movie and also is directing Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, hopefully, you watch this and think, "Wow, I never want to make Star Wars like this," and then don't because do not, or I will be very sad. Very. I'll very be sad, sad, but I mean. The Star Wars fandom is pretty volatile, so they'll probably just murder him. If if he if if JJ Abrams made Star Wars Episode Nine at all like this movie, then they're based upon the reaction to the Last Jedi, he would be dead for sure. There's no way that guy would survive it. It'd be like the Purge, but instead of everyone killing each other, everyone would be hunting JJ. A bunch of people in robes. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're toy lightsabers. Yeah. Like yeah, it'd be crazy. They'd beat uh, him to death with toy lightsabers. Easily. Yeah. So so what so we rate things here on in the can podcast by Barnes one to four Barnes Freddie, uh, and then you you can give this movie between zero to four Barnes, and then if you feel like it, you can light those shits on fire. So where does the Cloverfield Paradox fall on your barn forecast? That's all a one a rickety one barn like this guy could fall down any day. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, all it takes is one good windstorm and that yeah. that sucker's gone. Or a wolf to blow it down. <laughs> oh yeah, huff and puff and blow the barn down. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna like point eight, maybe point eight of a barn. Like this thing. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. we could fractionize. The oh, barn. you can fractionize the barns. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you you know you can kind of do whatever you want. You just can't go past four. And uh, okay. so yeah, I, I don't even know if I necessarily want to consider it a completed structure. I think it is a lot of parts that necessary that it could have been good, but but honestly, just just didn't all fit together. Like it, it was a it was a very disjointed movie, and it, it's like a, this is kind of a movie you show someone's like, hey, it's kind of what a bad movie's like. Like it's like not terrible, right. just a bad movie. Like just just a bad movie. Um, so in the, in, and are, are your barn is your is your barn on fire? I assume not. Is the barn being on fire a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing typically. Then no, it's not on fire. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, my mine is not on fire, uh, it, nor will ever be unless someone burns it to the ground negatively and rids of the world of this horrible shit. But I uh, think this is a great movie to to play for someone to test to see if they really understand what makes a good movie. 
It could be, yeah. If you're if you're a, a gal or a dude out there that's a movie savant, kind of a cinemaphile, if you will, and you want to mm-hmm. test uh, some some person you're dating, yeah, good idea. You know, show them this. Be like, oh, I just watched this. Uh, you know, oh, you act like you hadn't seen it. You'd be like, oh, let's watch this thing. And then you know, you turn it on, and then like the credits roll, and you look to them, and whatever their initial response is. You totally judge their entire personality based on that. I think that's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily have time to test people. Or you make people watch movies in order to test their personalities. Yeah, but, but if you're a psychopath, then maybe you do. Yeah, you know? maybe yeah. a little bit of a sociopathic move there. Well, maybe if you really value movies, that's a reasonable thing to do. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's a good, a good movie gauge. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is the kind of the, I think this is exact, the exact movie gauge. All right, follow-up question. Last question for In the Can. Okay. Rewatchability. So there are four options here. One, I would buy this movie on DVD or I guess now Blu-ray. Two, I would rent this movie on iTunes, but I would pay for it to rent. Three, I would happen to catch this movie if it were released on Netflix and or HBO and or any other streaming software. Or four, I'll probably never watch this shit again. Which one do you go for? Um... It's a tough choice, but I gotta say, yeah, it's definitely a four. Who am I kidding? Yeah, fuck this shit, dude. I'm never watching this shit again. <laughs> uh, it, 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 the only reason I'd watch this again is to to reference this podcast. Like, right. I, I, this, this is not even a movie where it, where it's so bad. This is in that really negative bad spot of bad movies yeah. where it's like it's not funny bad. It's just bad. It's not, bad. Yeah, it's not bad enough to be laughable. Right. It's taking itself seriously, which is often right. its problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, like Netflix do better, man. Like what they they have like a, they have some good movies. They do. I've seen a couple of ones that are good, but and it's because they hire like talented people to make it. And that's just the genesis of all good movies. You hire talent, you get talent, but like this, don't give this me this the, bullshit. I can promise you this. This movie was not worth their production cost. This is not a movie that's going to draw more subscribers. No way. Well, their only source of income. Well, and then, yeah, you're How right. How many millions did they spend on making that movie? Because the production value wasn't the worst. No, it wasn't the worst. It, it felt a little cheesy. It still felt a little sci-fi movie to me. But, that CGI you know, work's expensive, though, so th- there's no way that that was worth it. Uh, and then, Terrible well, movie. And then you think about, like, Bright. You know that movie with Will Smith and uh, Joel Edgerton about the origin? Yeah, yeah, of- I saw that one. Is, uh, all right, so uh, before we won't get into the necessarily the review of that, but that movie's already been greenlighted for a sequel because it did so well on Netflix. And I don't know what that means. I don't know. Like it said, it, it did so well is that it, I guess enough people watched it, like enough people clicked on it and watched it to the point yeah. where like it just got to be I, that, right? I, I guess. So, yeah. So like maybe it's maybe that's how they judge the success of a movie is how many streams it gets, which makes yeah. sense. But I don't understand how that makes Netflix money. Like, cause you, like you said, their only income would seem to be subscribers, but, but anyway, so like bright did well and bright, I, I thought it was terrible. I watched it and I yeah. didn't like it. And it wasn't the, fact, good. the fact that it is getting a sequel to me demonstrates how sad humanity is. I but think like, the whatever. thumbnail on that was kind of clickbaity. It, it was interesting enough. And, you know, Will Smith was in it that it just drew a lot of views. Yeah. I mean, alone, that alone was enough to, you know, spark the the sequel and they've got i mean they've got huge like will smith dude will smith's one of like a-listers in hollywood and he's in a fucking netflix original movie like he's been swinging and missing for a while now though 
Yeah, he's yeah he has yeah he's he's struck out many a time. He he hasn't played in a movie that has had any real resonance since After Earth, Suicide Squad, now Bright. And before that, I mean, what, what, like seven pounds, he did some drama type stuff in like mid two thousands, and mm-hmm. like I, I he, you know, Will Smith really has been like he hadn't necessarily done anything super. He did that concussion movie that people loved him in, but like yeah, but whatever, you know, kind of a boring movie. Uh, yeah, so like. Netflix is 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 pulling out the stops. They're paying the money. They're paying the production value. They're hiring good actors, but you know if the content isn't there, if the script isn't there, and if the director isn't yeah. there, then who cares? We need we need them to be a little, a little more rigorous on their scripts and their directors. Yeah, that's the they, joke is that they're buying everything though. Right. Yeah. Well, they're well, gonna they're gonna run out of money. They are maybe. I mean, I'm still paying them ten bucks a month. I don't know about you. I well, you know I I'm uh, I'm on someone else's account. You know. <laughs> oh, you're a, you're account stealer guy. Not stealer. It's just you know share account account communism. Yeah, account communism. Yeah, socialism. Uh, you yeah. know, streaming socialism, which is fine. That's the, that's a good kind of socialism where you share everything. But well, unless uh, Freddie, unless you got anything else to say, we can we can uh, we can adjourn our uh, in the camp podcast. How do you feel? I feel like we've said everything that needs to be said. Yeah, the the I think the crux of this, if you somehow make it to this point in this podcast, is. Do not watch this movie. Uh, hit menu, go back to wh- wherever is are all the movies on Netflix, and then turn on the Godfather trilogy because they just got put on there. And watch those. Watch an American classic. Do not watch this bullshit. <laughs> uh, so this has been um, episode four of In the Can. Uh, this is The Chief, your host of In the Can podcast. I'm here with my boy Sweaty Freddy. We are discussing movies or as the snooty assholes of the world call them, films. We will discuss the other pop culture, perhaps doing an Oscar pick coming up soon. Uh, we appreciate y'all listening. Check out all the good content on The Barn Burner at www.the-barnburner.com. A lot of different articles. Sweaty Freddy's put up a meme page. Good stuff. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, and we're, we're producing for you guys. We appreciate y'all listening. Um, and again, and Freddy, got anything? You got anything to say to the audience? Yeah, just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sweaty Freddy BB. And uh, thanks for having me there, Chief. I really I appreciate you, it. Man. I got you, man. Hey, man, last question. What's the deal with all the dimensions? You know what I'm saying? What's the deal with merging dimensions? There's what? a freaking gyroscope in my stomach. I'm vomiting worms. I don't get it. What's the deal? <laughs> if that was worms, why would I be vomiting them? Like- we just wanted some free energy. <laughs> now I'm vomiting worms all over the place. Countries are war. <laughs> you gotta ask, is it worth it? Why does Germany hate Russia? It's like the two European countries next to each other. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, you just witnessed the first Seinfeld segment. Uh, we'll be bringing you many other enjoyable segments like that in the future. And again, we appreciate y'all listening. So, uh, so have a good night. Do not watch. Do good not. Night. Do not watch the Cloverfield Paradox. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.